Knowing the headlines isn't always enough. Sometimes you need to talk about it. For stimulating conversation on the day's hot topics, this is your station. This is your show, The Ryan Jesperson Show, on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. A good Wednesday morning to you. In, in, in just a second, I'm excited to welcome you into a conversation that's already rolling uh, with Malcolm Mays. Uh, you know Malcolm. The, I'll ask Malcolm if we call him a political cartoonist in just a second. He's been at the Edmonton Journal for 30 years, sharing his take on politics through caricature. Kelly Wolfert in the studio as well. These two have collaborated with others to put together a, a documentary titled Day of Change. It'll screen tonight. It's the story of the NDP's surge to power back in May. We'll ask these two some questions about it in just a second. want to let you know really cool jobs today just after 10 o'clock will deliver on its title. I promise you that. John Dunham, the longtime marketing and promotions rep for Universal Music Canada, basically the guy rubs shoulders with rock stars for a living. We'll talk to him about that. Dr. Christina Stasia joins us a little bit later on in the show. People are saying that the city of Edmonton doesn't have enough women in positions of leadership. As a matter of fact, when you look at sort of the upper echelon, it's less than 20% of the jobs occupied by women. But what do you actually do about it? It's fine to talk about it, but what do you actually do about it. You know, people brought this up with a recent by-election win for Mo Banga, but isn't that just democracy? I mean, if a man wins, is that a loss? We'll ask Dr. Stasi about that after 10.30. In the 11 o'clock hour, Senator Doug Black joins us. And after 11.30, Markham Hislop, publisher of the American Energy News. Markham is the, probably, as far as we can tell, the only quote-unquote blogger, the only individual that owns and operates an online news service that says that people like him should actually be barred from the legislature's press gallery. That's right. He's the only one taking part in the Alberta government's look into this right now that says they should actually be shut out. It doesn't make any sense to me, but we'll ask Markham exactly why. Plus, he's going to chime in on the legality of Quebec's demand yesterday. You know that province sought a court injunction against Alberta, against the Energy East pipeline. Markham says it's a whole bunch of noise about nothing, says it's a federal issue. He says he's consulted with legal experts and he'll have news for us on that initiative coming up after 1130. Kelly Wolford, Malcolm Mays, welcome to the studio. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks. It's good to see you both. Here's just a tiny tease of what the both of you have been working on for quite some time. Typically, Alberta elections are foregone conclusions. In the past, we would always have majority governments, and you'd just be discussing which party would form the opposition. I'm Heather Sweet. Oh, hi. Pleasure to meet you. Hey, gang. How's everyone doing? Nice to see you guys. How exciting is this? It was the first election in my lifetime where there was the possibility of change. I don't know. I think I think we might have made a little bit of history tonight. And that, of course, Alberta's Premier Rachel Notley back on May 5th, a resounding win that ended a 44-year political dynasty 
for the Tories. Uh, Kelly Wolfert uh, of Laven Creative, uh, a cinematographer behind the film Day of Change, which will screen tonight at the Metro Cinema at the Garneau just after 7 o'clock. Malcolm May's longtime uh, Edmonton Journal employee, still there. Yeah. Do we call you a political cartoonist, or what do you what do you prefer title wise? Yeah, I think political cartoonist pretty much covers it. Yeah. I'm. I've been looking forward to talking to you for quite some time yeah. because yours is an art form that not many can pull off, but it's incredibly important. Uh, Kelly is a filmmaker. Yes. What was it uh, leading up to May fifth that gave you an inkling that this was a film project you needed to pursue? I think that uh, every Albertan was looking at this as a. Um, a major moment in uh, in Alberta history, and obviously a, a pretty big change in the political landscape. Um, three days before the election, I was just asking cinematographer friends if anybody was working on a project to uh, to cover this, and the answer was no from everyone. So um, I just we signed up a couple guys, uh, and we decided that maybe we should just cover it ourselves and see what we can get. Malcolm was one of those guys. Malcolm, we talked to months later. So first, uh, the the film set on just May 5th. So we had three cameras, one in uh, Edmonton, which was myself, uh, one in Red Deer, one in Calgary. And that they covered just the day. So we tried to scramble and talk to as many candidates as we could, uh, people on the street, people voting, and it, uh, almost a, a haphazard way of, of tackling the day because we really didn't have a plan. We, we were trying to figure out if we were actually allowed to film in certain polling stations or not, uh, who we could talk to, who was busy. And so once we came away with that day and, and the, the change that happened, from there we had to write a story. Otherwise it's just a recap video and so to turn it into a film um i decided that uh being a fan of malcolm's work that somebody needed to tell the backstory um and a commentary on what happened on the day and and malcolm did a great job malcolm this is i I suppose a a bit of a different application of your perspective and one of the things i've always admired about editorial cartoons is you have to take essentially a column's worth of commentary and boil it down to one image Nobody quite tells a story like an editorial cartoonist, a political cartoonist. What was different about this project, you taking part in this film? Well, I'm used to uh, commentary, right, because I do the cartoon every day. But I've, it's always been my position that the cartoon should speak. And so once the cartoon is out there, I don't like to write commentary. I'm not on Twitter or Facebook or anything like that. I just like to the cartoon to tell the story uh what was different about this that kelly was actually asking me to step in front of the camera which is something i rarely do and so when he approached me i was a little you know back on my heels a little suspicious like who is this guy what does he want to do (laughs) you know this sort of thing but he explained the project and explained what he wanted me to do which was to sort of fill in the gaps he had all this raw footage um of uh, of the actual day may 5th um but he needed someone to like fill in the gaps and give it context and that sort of stuff and and he must have been persuasive because i ended up doing the film yeah i'd say so now you know some probably and it's interesting because as we know politics can be polarizing and here not here in alberta you've got a typically conservative province so it's a province that elected an ndp government and and, and sent several 
liberal MPs to Ottawa as well, plus Linda Duncan here. Edmonton tends to trend higher in support for the NDP polling-wise than the rest of the province. But when you release a film like this, some people will say, oh, interesting timing, isn't it, Kelly? The government seems to hit a bit of a rough patch, or if you want to say it, they've returned back to earth. It's normalcy back at the Alberta legislature, controversial decisions, public outcry over acts that government takes, legislation that's being put through. What's with the timing of the release of Day of Change right now? Uh, Well, first of all, isn't it exciting that we actually have uh, an interesting political scene in Alberta again? Um, People care. Yeah, people are are engaged. And after 44 years of, of one voice, it's nice to have... Uh, other voices, including you know the one man um, machine of greg clark who who is quite vocal in his opposition and and uh, getting his own policies out there so he 's in the film it 's nice to have um, as much of a voice as we can uh, throughout the entire film, but we did follow the win um, and so some people might say that it's it's NDP slanted, but if you're going to do a, a documentary on the Stanley Cup winner, then you're going to follow you know the Chicago Blackhawks all the way there, and it's going to be slanted towards one team. So this is this is very similar to that, and I wanted to get a sense of the change, um, and, and so we picked candidates that we knew were going to do well, um, or ones that we're either going to have a, a, a crushing defeat after putting in so much work that it's an interesting story. That didn't happen. We were astonished at the result, just as everybody else was. Um, and as far as the timing right now, I, I actually, it took us a long time to get the film done. Um, this is sort of a side project because we have all the other stuff that we're working on. Um, and I was telling Malcolm this morning that we, we almost booked it on the evening of Super Tuesday, which would have been not great for you know the political scene in, in Edmonton to come out and watch. So um, I'm glad that it's tonight. I'm glad that it's at a time when politics is is very relevant for uh, the water cooler conversation in Alberta. Malcolm, from your perspective, w- what was most significant story-wise from the provincial election last May? I mean, I know that these two avenues are intertwined, but was it the Tory collapse? which Kelly could have easily done a film on. And, oh, and I'll yeah. ask you about that in just a second. Uh, do you wish you would have focused on the losing team? Or was it the NDP surge? Or or, or is it all really just one story with different chapters? Or, or in your case, maybe different comics? Well, I think uh, it's it's one story with different chapters. However, I... I think that the NDP may have taken the wrong message from the victory, because I really believe that it was a Tory loss, not an NDP win. In other words, that people were just fed up with the Tories, and they picked whoever was standing. And the NDP at the time, you'll remember the Wild Rose had basically collapsed half the party had gone over to the tories and then or like 85% yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and and people just looked at prentice and they thought here's more of the slick stuff that we've been seeing for the last 44 years and we don't want anything like this anymore and so they looked around the liberals really weren't viable and the ndp was standing there so i think it was primarily a uh a Tory loss and not an NDP win. That said, Rachel Notley did a, 
a fabulous job. I mean, and she deserves to be exactly where she is. But I, I think the word of caution would be that a lo- I've heard of a lot of um, NDP supporters think that Alberta is now a left-wing province or, or on the way to becoming a left-wing province, and I would caution that. I think it's still very much a conservative province, a conservative province that gave the NDP a chance, and now everybody's sort of sitting back and uh, and watching and uh, just seeing how the NDP does. And if they do well, maybe they in the in the next election they can solidify their position this is it, it's almost uh i won't say an impossible topic to evaluate or to even navigate is the ndp doing well because and we've talked about this at length on this show much of what they're doing right now is fulfilling election promises that they clearly made on the campaign trail so in other words they're doing what they said they were going to do at the same time not all of it is popular right now. It's a tough circumstance. It's a tough environment with oil low and the economy dipping and big deficits regarding, uh, regardless of, of which government is, is putting the budget out there. So, so how do you evaluate in an ongoing storytelling sense? I mean, if Kelly, if you were continuing to make this film right now, how do you evaluate how the government is doing, or if you want to say what the government is doing with what Albertans gave them, which is a majority mandate back in May? I, it's going to be an interesting story till the next election, for sure. I think that uh, people need to understand that whoever was in power right now is being dealt the same hand. Um, and you can't complain about it. Um, and so once you take that out of the equation, it's there is some... Um, some judgments that have to happen from Albertans on how things are being handled. I think that the first, well, I guess it's the technically the second budget, um, the first full budget is going to be uh, a big eye-opener to how people judge how they're doing. It's the technically the first year, um, which is more than enough time to evaluate what uh, what's happening. So uh, the, the story continues. There's, I, I look every day for Malcolm's cartoons, um, hoping that they're on uh, provincial politics because I think it's just such an interesting topic. Malcolm, how do you decide what you'll draw in? I basically uh, wake up and, you know, 10 seconds after I'm awake, I'm on my smartphone listening to the news and, uh, you know, going through the various newspapers, um, seeing what happened. And, uh, you know, I and I try to um, j- just... Uh, comment on things that interest me, and I think if it interests me, it's going to interest other other people locally. So uh, I don't have any uh, methodology or anything like that. I just read and listen, and then I pick something that sounds interesting. Do you, you know, you must know Vance Rodwald. I, I worked yep. with Vance for, for a short time when I was down in Calgary at the very beginning of my Absolutely. career. And one of the greatest gifts he gave me upon my departure from the Calgary Herald were, were, were a couple of signed original uh, prints that I still have, and it really means a lot yeah. to me to have those. One, the reason why I bring that up is one thing that I've always admired about successful political cartoonists like yourself, the editorial cartoonists, is that you don't get to kind of go half halfway on something with your take or with your opinion. An effective cartoon oftentimes, and I won't use the word inflammatory, but let's say it makes more of a significant definitive statement than even an an op-ed column would. 
Absolutely. Like, uh, you're all in with a political cartoon. When you're writing commentary, for example, you can say a little of this, a little of that. On the other hand, you know, you can make arguments like that. An effective political cartoon goes all in. Um, I compare it to a, uh, uh, a a column is like a sharpshooter, and you can you can pick your targets. You can pick over here. Uh, an editorial cartoon is more like a sawed-off shotgun. You point it in the general direction and let it go, right? So, yeah. You, and you hope there's you don't hit too many bystanders. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, that's sort of the difference. Uh, we're going to fit in a quick break. When we come back, Kelly, we, we teed up the question. I, I'd be curious to know from your perspective as a cinematographer, as a filmmaker, what makes the better story? Is, is it the underdog rolling in and sweeping its way to victory? Or is it the end of a dynasty, the favorite collapsing and falling short? More with Kelly Wolford and Malcolm Mays. We're talking about the film Day of Change, which screens tonight, just after 7 o'clock at the Metro Cinema at the Garneau. We'll be right back. on this Wednesday morning. A a little bit of trivia from Malcolm Mays, political cartoonist, through the break. I didn't know this. Yeah, uh, a lot of people don't know this, that uh, Rachel Notley's brother is a cartoonist. His name's Stephen Notley, and for many years he drew a cartoon called uh, uh, Bob the Angry Flower, and it appeared in the the University Gateway paper. And of course, I'm familiar with that. That's Stephen Notley, which is the Premier's brother. That's exactly Wow. Very interesting. So you do learn something on this show every single day. That's why we've got to bring in guests like you two, Malcolm Mays, Edmonton Journal's political cartoonist, and filmmaker Kelly Wolford from Laven Creative uh, in the studio with us. Their film Day of Change screens tonight at the Metro Cinema at the Garneau. It was interesting, Kelly, to hear you speaking off air about how you perceive there to be similarities, despite the fact that your your mediums are very different, film versus cartoon and print. Uh, the similarities in, in, in what the two of you do in in expressing yourselves, telling stories, investigating ideas. Yeah, uh, we both have to, as before the break we were talking, we both have to, Malcolm and I have to pretty much plunge deeply into what the idea we're trying to get across is because we have a very short amount of time. This is a short film, it's 23 minutes long, so you don't have a ton of time to tell uh, uh, the story of of a historical day, but you want to tell it um, in a way that's interesting and filmmaking is an art form Malcolm has even less time to try to to tell a story um, which is one of the things that that appealed to me about having him in the film is that to be able to when somebody's flipping pages to have that pop up in front of you and in one image one art form be able to tell a story that can go back months, that can have so much detail in the story and in the cartoon. It's There's there's a few that are my favorites that I'm so glad that we got in the film. One of our listeners, uh, by the way, on the text line to 630-630, this is Lyle, says the first cartoon that I saw uh, that I realized that Malcolm created was a pipeline going through all the brainiacs' heads in the country. I just about fell off my chair. Do you remember that one? I remember. That was a recent yeah. one. Wasn't that the one where yeah. they were wondering about shovel-ready projects and you had the pipeline running through Christy Clark's and... Uh, it was well, Trudeau, Christy Clark... Um, Couillard and uh, Wynn. Yeah. yeah. It, but, but, but there you have it. That's one image. 
that says a thousand things. It's almost like a picture's worth a thousand words, Malcolm. Isn't yeah, it? <laughs> I mean, it, it it really is true. I mean, I I feel I have a privileged uh, spot in the journal. You know, the journal has always always treated me very well. They let me do my own thing. They need to, though, don't they? Uh, I don't know if they need to, but it's nice that they do. And uh, and the nicest part of that is they don't tell me what to draw, um, because if. You know, I mean, that wouldn't go over very well. <laughs> I mean, early in my career, I used to butt heads against with many editors because they tried to tell me what to draw. So we sort of settled on a middle ground is I don't tell them what to put in the paper and they won't don't tell me what to put in the cartoon. <laughs> and Kelly, what, so well. what could you have done? more with from a storytelling standpoint what's sexier as a filmmaker is it the is it the rise to victory or is it the spectacular collapse well the hindsight's 2020 obviously so looking back at that election um i think it's as equally interesting to follow um the the collapse of of basically the the two parties on the right um one at the hands of the premier and uh and the leader, Daniel Smith, at the time, in the floor crossing. And then um, just, I, I mean, you almost feel a little bit bad, at least for as a filmmaker, to to show the bad side of things and defeat. Um, and we debated on, on whether we show the resignation speech from Prentice, um, because you don't want to show somebody at that, that hard time in their career. But it's it's such a a pivotal moment in in finalizing the story that um, we have that speech in there, fellas. I have like forty five seconds left. I, I want to end with with a critical text because I want to give you a chance to respond. Sheila says, "I'll admit." I'm not going to bother watching this film because I don't agree with the ideology of the NDP. Why should people like Sheila go to the screening tonight? I think this film is brilliant. I didn't know Kelly at all when he first approached me and I was suspicious all the way up until we, we the time we started to film. But when I saw the finished product, I was amazed. It's a it's a great film. I mean, regardless of your ideology, I would say to people, take a look at this film. This is a really good film. Uh, it's history. There's there hasn't been an election like this um, in my lifetime, as one of the comments that uh, we have from Malcolm in the uh, the teaser video. But it, it is it's history. It's we're we're still talking about it. That makes it relevant. Kelly Wolfert, Malcolm Mays, so good to catch up with you both. Thanks for joining us in studio. The film tonight, Day of Change, Metro Cinema at the Garneau, just after seven o'clock. And you're partnering up with my buddy Guy Lavely from Northwest yes, Fest, making it yes. possible. What a beauty that guy is. Day of change tonight. Go check it out. Here's the news. Nine thirty-five on this Wednesday morning. Wanted to take a second, as a matter of fact, to to uh, issue a correction. How often do you hear this on a radio show? Maybe not too often. Newspapers do it, and we need to do it as well when we've kind of flubbed a detail. Right around this time yesterday, off the cuff, off the top of my head, we were talking about immigration. Uh, in particular, we were talking about refugees, and we, in a roundabout way, 
got to speaking on professional certification, speaking about doctors and engineers and lawyers and other professionals that come to Canada from other countries and, and find themselves, you know, I mean, driving cabs or doing whatever, delivering pizzas, instead of stepping in to the line of work and contributing to the economy in the same context that they did in their home country or the country uh, in which they last lived. And I discussed a a controversy involving the consulting engineers of Alberta. You remember this in professional certification. And I'm thankful uh, to my pal Ken Pillip, who's the CEO over at the Consulting Engineers of Alberta. And and Ken, if you're listening two days in a row, thank you for tuning in. Uh, Ken gently corrected me via email, reminding me that that case that that was ruled on in an Alberta court, and, and this was just a short time ago, this was just several weeks ago, did not involve the CEA, the Consulting Engineers, rather the professional body known as APEGA, the Association of Professional Engineers and Geoscientists of Alberta. This was the story uh, where Madam Justice Ross ruled, you may remember, you may have heard that it was not discriminatory for APEGA to require an internationally educated engineer uh, by the name of Ladislav Mihaly to require an international uh, sort of he essentially what they wanted to do was determine whether or not he had the competence to practice engineering in Alberta so that includes professional competence language competence several other exams that that Mr. Mihaly through several different instances uh, over a stretch of many months had protested saying it's discriminatory it's not fair and the courts actually ruled in favor of APEGA, saying, no, it's not discriminatory for a governing body to ensure that a professional is qualified to practice in his or her field once they've arrived in Canada. So again, that was not the Consulting Engineers of Alberta, rather the Association of Professional Engineers and Geoscientists of Alberta. And thanks to Ken Pillip for the correction. They do some great work over there. You know, engineers, it, it, it's my pleasure, full disclosure, uh, to work with the Consulting Engineers of Alberta Every spring, uh, when they put together, they call them the Showcase Awards Gala, and it's a celebration of some of the engineering feats that have been accomplished across the province of Alberta. This is one of those industries where if you're not paying very close attention to it, if you don't have a a loved one or maybe someone in your inner circle of friends that's an engineer, and and they're not bragging or going on and elaborating about the work they're doing, you may not realize how engineers are building this province. And it's pretty exciting stuff as well when we talk about economic slowdowns. Along with that, sometimes comes hand-in-hand government investment in infrastructure, which means that building projects can continue. And, of course, that gives Alberta's engineers a chance to strut their stuff. A shout-out to the engineers building Alberta today. An interesting conversation with Kelly Wolfert and Malcolm Mays about the film Day of Change that screens tonight at the Metro Cinema. It's eight bucks, gets going just after seven o'clock. There's a panel afterward with uh, a few MLAs, including Barb Miller out of Red Deer. Good morning to you, Red Deer. Uh, Darren Billis here in Edmonton and the Alberta Party's Greg Clark, who will represent Calgary on that panel. Bill says, uh, I think a film on the fall of the PC government would be excellent. A lot of twists and turns, gambles and surprises, bad decisions. Bill says uh, maybe Kelly Wolfer should make a second film. Yeah, I'd agree, Bill. I mean, I think it'd be fascinating to combine the two. You know, it's like it's like what uh, 
uh, ESPN does. Graziano, what is it? What is it? The uh, the twenty four seven series is that ESPN or HBO that puts that on? Thirty for thirty? Uh, not the thirty for thirty, but it's like the. I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but this is like the the documentaries they do leading up to the Winter Classics or the Stadium oh, that's, series. Yeah, that, that's HBO. Yeah, and they do such a good job with it, right? You know, you're following, you know, whichever teams you're following at that point, going behind the scenes, and and I love the the, the dueling storylines, the team that'll win and the team that'll lose. And, and not only that, I think even the Oilers had one. I think it aired on Sportsnet, uh, Sportsnet at one time. It was called Oil Change. Yeah, that lasted for for several seasons. Yeah, and it wasn't too bad. It kind of gives you an inside look into the. Uh the vulgar life of some of these players. But you, but. but you get some insight behind, I mean, it's, you know, politicians are, are one of those, and I mean, I, I know that this happens in many different industries, many different professions where people put on a brave face. You know, they, they put on the, the, their public face, but oftentimes, you know, what we wouldn't give to have access to those cabinet meetings behind closed doors or, or the personal conversations. I mean, wouldn't you love to be a fly on the wall for the conversation between Danielle Smith and Jim Prentice that led to the floor crossing. I mean, things like that, the negotiations that may have happened, the promises that may have been made and then broken. You know, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's kind of one of those situations where you, you kind of think to yourself, well, this is this is definitely one of those conversations that maybe should have been recorded or maybe should have, you, you know what I mean? Not like a just chance. What, well, exactly. And then you think, like, not a chance, but would it be great just to kind of see, like, a leaked online version of a conversation between maybe, uh, you know, two prominent politicians, you know? Even having, like, a mic on somebody, maybe during a debate or something, but, but like, a mic when, when you know, the cameras are not on. As they say, if the As walls they say, had ears. I've always, I've always uh, had a curiosity of when uh, there is, like, a public debate going on. Like, for example, what you see in the U.S. right now or, you know, any kind of town hall meeting where you see candidates pinned up against each other. When they shake their hands, you know, right in the beginning and say... I want to know what exactly each and every one of them say. Like, if they want to take shots at them right away, just like a nice quick uppercut, like right at the well, beginning. Well, even just, even just the grip on the handshake, right? How yeah. strong is it? I Ex- mean, Malcolm and- Mays referenced Rachel Notley's performance in the debate, uh, the televised debate that, that aired on Global leading up to the provincial election. And and you might argue that that was the ultimate turning point where where the whole math is hard. Well, comment, yeah, the math is hard. Yeah. Drove Prentice's nose into the ground. But the way that Rachel Notley conducted herself in that debate. I think that was the first time that many Albertans said, you know what, I I can see Premier in front of her name. That was maybe the first time for a lot of people where they said, I think she can do it. And now, I think it's fair to say a lot of people are yearning for that Rachel Notley, the the one that put her foot down and said, you're not going to bully me in this debate. And and I think people are waiting to see that Rachel Notley, specifically now in the context of pipelines. Listener here says, I will not go see this film, Day of Change. I will instead donate that money to the Wild Rose Party. I was complacent in the last election, and I helped ruin this province. I will not be complacent anymore. Lyle says, the film about the NDP is about history. Alberta can't wait till the NDP is history. Hurry hard, says Lyle. Dave says, what's the name of this film? Alberta's Darkest Days? <laughs> so people are being tough on this. I'd said to Kelly and to Malcolm before they came in, but more pointedly to Kelly, he's the filmmaker, he's the cinematographer. I said, this is going to be a legitimate interview, Kelly. We're not just going to cheerlead about the NDP. I don't want to ask it. I don't. I, I don't want to tee up an infomercial. And he's kind of looking at me a little curious. And, he, and he's he's like, what do you mean? It's a film. It's not a. He says, yeah. I mean, we followed the winner. 
You know, in so many ways as a, a documentary about the Chicago Blackhawks storming their way to the Stanley Cup last year would have been probably perceived as a bit of cheerleading for the Blackhawks because they had a goal and they achieved the goal. They won. But Kelly said, I don't mind the tough questions. That's fine. He said, you know, detractors, the NDP will, will come to this film tonight and take something away from it. It's a, it's a film about history. You don't have to necessarily only see films that cover topics that you 100% agree with. And with that, I would agree. We'll get back to the text line. We're going to dive into the mailbag in this half hour as well, right after this. Following our sit-down with Kelly Wolfert of Laven Creative, Malcolm Mays, the political cartoonist from the Edmonton Journal, uh, their film Day of Change screens tonight at the Metro Cinema, the story of the NDP's rise to victory back in May. Brent in the Grove says the movie should be named Titanic <laughs> as Alberta hit an iceberg named Rachel and is now sinking to the bottom. I don't know. I, I'm trying to think what would be more. I'm trying to maybe like maybe like one of the one of the Star Wars where they're sort of going through an asteroid field. What's a movie of of something that just like takes like Rocky? Rocky sort of like used to get himself just beat, beat, beat down in the ring before he'd ultimately sort of come back and rise to victory. That's more like it, you know. I mean, if you're going to hit, it was there was an iceberg named Rachel, but before that, there was like a monsoon named Ed, and then there was like a sort of like a, a, a tidal swell named Allison and then like a horrific electrical storm named Jim and then the iceberg named Rachel, maybe. But the story of Alberta's political landscape, the ebb and flow, the massive change, can't even be limited to one party, can it? Another says, I, I was, this is Marty, I've been duped by the NDP once again. The first time was in Ontario with Bob Ray. My vote is going to the Wild Rose next election. Go Wild Rose. That from Marty. That's another fascinating thing for me. It was just, we, we talked about it last May and into June. The fact that so many people that voted conservative all of a sudden voted NDP. You didn't even recognize yourself. And now all these people that voted NDP are saying, well, now I'm going to vote Wild Rose. It's like... <laughs> It's insane how people are jumping around on the political spectrum. But I love it. So it makes it so story worthy. Graziano, let's dive in. It's been a while since we jumped into the mailbag. These are emails submitted via the show's link at 630ched.com. Mac wants to talk Uber. As a matter of fact, his subject line reads, Rest in Peace, Uber. He says, Good morning, Jesperson. As you are aware once again, the heavy boot of the bureaucracy we live in has crushed a free market industry-leading private sector firm. Due to Uber's alleged sins against the government in a purely punitive measure, Our provincial government has crushed the competition to a collusionary industry. I hope this doesn't become a trend, but with our ongoing socialistic direction toward bureaucratic, heavy government-involved industry, this just may be a sign of the times. That from Mac. Josh McLean was listening when we talked to Edmonton's Archbishop Richard Smith the other day. If you missed that interesting interview, you can find it in our audio vault on our website. Josh says, I I really quite enjoyed your conversation 
with the archbishop, says, I just wanted to point out it's quite rich for him to carry on about the importance of respect for life and respect for individuals in the issue of assisted death, while in the next breath saying that trans people's very existence is in violation of Catholic doctrine and is therefore undesirable. Since when does the Catholic Church get to decide whose life is valuable? Josh says it's pretty simple. Canada has no state religion, and the Catholic Church doesn't get to call the shots. If you don't want doctor-assisted suicide, don't ask your doctor for an assisted suicide. If you don't want to share a bathroom with trans people, I guess you'll have to become a hermit, because guess what? You've been sharing bathrooms with trans, gay, lesbian, bisexual, and queer people your entire life. The same religious leaders currently losing sleep over the idea of treating trans people with basic respect also freaked out over same-sex marriage. They predicted the breakdown of society, the very end of the institution of marriage. Gay and lesbian people have been marrying each other for more than a decade now, and as far as I can tell, Canadian society has continued on unimpeded. The Archbishop should familiarize himself with Section 2 of the Charter. Freedom of religion also includes freedom from religion. That means the Catholic Church doesn't get to decide how I will live my life or if I will choose to end my life rather than endure a slow, painful death. Thanks for reading my email. That from Josh. We'll get to another one on a completely different topic right after this. Chad Nation, I love you. I tell you again and again, and I mean it every single time. Somebody talked about the iceberg named Rachel, and then I talked about the electrical storm named Jim, and all. <laughs> and here we go. Listener says, no, 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 the Titanic is Alberta, the iceberg is Prentice, and the ocean is the NDP. Another says, uh, I kind of like that Rachel iceberg idea, but it's not just Rachel. She's just the one that tipped the boat, and Russ says, you forgot the famine named Ralph. Good call. Let's go there again, Brandon. Brian visited the show's link at 630ched.com to send me an email. Says if Quebec wanted to build a pipeline, Justin Trudeau would be bending over backwards to help them. Too bad we have to continue to pay into equalization without any say. While Bombardier gets more bailouts, which the PM has no doubt already written a check for, maybe even a billion dollars. He may give Alberta $750 million for the entire province. Brian says, this whole refugee fiasco has soured me, and, and I'm actually starting to feel racist, especially since they're getting a lot of freebies that most Canadians don't. Brian wraps up by saying, I don't care for Stephen Harper in the end, but it looks like Trudeau wants to undo everything our former prime minister did, whether or not it was good or bad. He says, in the time and money the Liberals are investing in this could be better used to help our economy and our sagging dollar. The Liberal Party is bad for taxpayers. That from Brian. Ellie touches on our conversations about the future of Northlands. Says, I'm so disappointed in this recent decision to stop horse racing in the city of Edmonton. Horse racing's always been an institution in this province, and it employs... Over 7,000 people, and many, many more indirectly via the agriculture industry. Ellie says, I've trained thoroughbreds and quarter horses for more than 45 years, and Northlands is the only viable A track in Alberta. After hearing their new plans, I think they're making a big mistake, as I don't think, you know, there's a big enough population base for all these venues and ideas that they have hopes for. And it conflicts with other venues already existing in Edmonton. 
right now with this downturn across the province, they're looking at spending a whole bunch of money that the taxpayers probably can't afford. Says they already have a facility and a fan base for racing to keep that grandstand intact. Ellie says they're throwing a lot of people out of work as well as hurting a horse population that will never recover. People love to watch horses who are equine athletes competing at a high level. That from Ellie. Seth kept his email short to us, says, I'm ex-military, originally from New Brunswick. I currently live in Ontario, and I work here in Alberta. I did live here in Alberta for five years, up to 2011. Says, I'm totally on board with the message of the Wild Rose and the people of Alberta who are inquiring about this equalization payment review. Seth wonders, is it crazy that Quebec gets ten times the money that Ontario gets, but Ontario is double Quebec's population and Rick Rick's trying to get my blood boiling he says finally regarding the metro line of the LRT someone has come out and stated that the emperor has no clothes he says the one thing I've never heard mentioned while I tune into your show Ryan is that the metro line ends at Nate right now but will eventually service more than 30,000 people living in that new Blatchford area. The plan to run it into North Edmonton ultimately to St. Albert. Rick says based on potential ridership in a decade or so the city's going to have to redesign the track around the Royal Alexandra Hospital. It will only continue to get worse if that's possible. That from Rick. You can email us anytime via 630ched.com. Just click on the show's link and go from there. We keep our mailbag stuffed and try to get into it as often as we can. John Dunham's got a really cool job working for a record label. He'll join us here in studio after these news headlines.